It is indeed good and a high privilege to be back again with the Selwyn Avenue church family. One thing you need to know about ministers who move into validated ministry, as we call it in the Book of Order, is we become orphans. We really have no congregation to call home. So while you may have received some gifts from me, please know that your ongoing and persistent gift to me is to welcome me when I come here as if I'm home. It's been fairly easy because Rush and I go back to my college days in Davidson. And this staff at Selwyn Avenue has been the most fun collection of folks in this Presbytery, in this area, down through the years. And we got another Selwyn Avenue member headed our way here soon. So thank y'all for this gracious invitation. I'm sorry it sent Lori all the way across the ocean to avoid me, but uh, I thank you, Lisa, really, for that terribly gracious introduction and to Selwyn Avenue for your hospitality to me and your deep and abiding support for Union Presbyterian Seminary at Charlotte, a place and an institution I love almost as much as I love you. Okay, all right, um, I decided to preach the lectionary today. I trust you know what that means. I didn't select this text, it was selected for me. We're now the sixth Sunday of Easter, and today's reading comes from the long farewell discourse from Jesus to his disciples. The words I read this morning are probably most familiar to you in the context of a witness to the resurrection. These are words of comfort to a grieving family. But they are also words of comfort to Jesus' disciples as he prepares to leave them on the way to the Father. Let us hear these words this morning with the Spirit's help as words, yes, of comfort, but a comfort meant to challenge us to turn out from our own peace toward the peace and the shalom of all God's world. Let us pray. O oh Lord, send us your Spirit as your word is read and proclaimed. Trouble our hearts, Lord, that we might share your sacrificial love with all your creation. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading from John's Gospel, 14th chapter, beginning in the 23rd verse. Let us hear these words as God's word for us this day. 
Jesus answered Judas saying, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you, my friends, may believe. Amen. My friends, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. My sweet dad, who died about six years ago, suffered his first heart attack when he was about six years younger than I am today. That first heart attack, led eventually to bypass surgery, and after some years towards congestive heart failure, which finally led him on to the kingdom. I can still remember sitting behind my father in a church pew. I've been trying to remember why I was sitting behind my father in a church pew very soon after he got out of the hospital after bypass surgery. Maybe you've seen patients who've been through that ordeal. My father, my vital father, was seated in front of me, hunched over, as if he was or could protect his failing heart. Perhaps that's why, as a pastor, I've spent a lot of my time trying to protect my heart, <laughs> running every day, watching my diet, being regular with tests to see how my cholesterol was running. I wasn't hunched like this, but I was spending a lot of time and energy troubled 
about my heart. Lest my heart might lead me down the same path as my father's. Maybe also that's one of the reasons I've spent a lot of time and energy as a pastor trying to keep the heart of congregations untroubled, visiting in the hospital, mending fights within the family, preaching sermons of God's love and grace so that we might relax and experience the peace that only Christ can give and provide a sanctuary amid life's trouble where we might breathe in and breathe out a peace that only God can give. And then I'd go out of the sanctuary from the church into the world and almost everywhere I went there was trouble. Somebody's marriage was breaking up. Somebody's job was disappearing. One congregation was fighting with another congregation. And then you look up and out into the world further, another shooting in Buffalo. People shopping for groceries on a Saturday afternoon. The war in Ukraine. Fathers and mothers burying their children in the midst of a war for which there is no clear end. Mothers who can't find formula for their little babies in the richest nation on earth. Diminishing membership in mainline congregations. We've just come back from a travel seminar to Washington, D.C. Lord have mercy. A Congress that cannot come together to vote on almost anything. Everywhere I go outside the church, there seems to be trouble. So what do we do with this, my friends? The peace, the calm, the sanctuary we find in church where our hearts, at least for a little while, might not be troubled. And the troubles everywhere we go, out in the world, how do we strike the right balance between hearts at peace due to the love of God manifest in Christ Jesus our Lord and hearts that are constantly troubled out of God's love for this broken world. I'm testing out a little thesis. Even as you move towards retirement, you need to keep testing out thesis. None of us have mastered divinity, right? None of us fully comprehend God, but see what you think about this. Vis-a-vis -vis God, our hearts never need to be troubled. Why? Because God's persistent love, claim, and grace upon us and our lives is steadfast, predictable, 
more trustworthy than the rising and setting of the sun. That's what Jesus was talking about as he prepared to leave. He wanted his disciples' hearts to be untroubled vis-a-vis -vis God. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. But vis-a-vis -vis the world and our love for our neighbors, dare I say our hearts should never be completely untroubled. Why? Because there's trouble somewhere, not only in the lives of people we know and love, but the lives of people and creatures spread throughout God's redeemed but yet broken creation. I'd like to place a couple of other passages. This is fun for me sometimes to read one verse of Scripture and then let it sort of resonate with a couple of other verses of Scripture to see what happens. All right? Jesus is praying that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, would come to teach the disciples. Several weeks ago in the Uniform Lesson Series, we studied one of the things the Spirit teaches us disciples even today. I'm reading from Romans chapter 8, verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains. It's got troubles in the heart. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit brings peace. But the Spirit initiates groans. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit, the Advocate that brings peace, also intercedes with sighs too deep for words. The Spirit brings peace to our heart. But when we turn out toward the world, the Spirit helps us to sigh, to groan, to labor towards a new creation towards which God's love would guide us. Then from one of the prophets, did you know that God has a heart attack in Scripture? I read these passages some as I walked with my dear father. If God has suffered a heart attack, God is with my father when he is suffering a heart attack. I'm reading from Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 19. This is God's voice as revealed through the voice of the weeping prophet Jeremiah. God says, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart. This is a cardiac arrest in God's heart. 
My heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war, and it's centered on my people, the people whom I love. The prophet continues in verses that may be more familiar to you. Is there no balm in Gilead? This is God speaking. Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of my poor people not been restored? Oh, that my head were a spring of water. What a picture of God this is. In my eyes, a fountain of tears. When we're focused on God, the Spirit sets our hearts at rest. Why? Because God's love for us is never failing. But when we and God turn out towards the world, we should shed some tears. We should feel our hearts palpitating. We should feel our hands and feet moving to help God's hurting children and people all over this world. Let me be honest with you. You know what slowly has set me free from worrying about my own heart? I don't mean to exclude anybody here, but for me, having four children. <laughs> Why? Because I can spend all day in church and be perfectly at peace. And then riding well from Selwyn Avenue, I'll see one of my daughter's numbers on my cell phone. And when I first hear her voice, it goes something like this. Dad. Boom. My heart is beating. My pulse goes up. What's wrong, sweetheart? All my hard-won peace and comfort is gone, not because I've lost my faith, but because now my faith has a deep purpose. To suffer with and for someone I love out of the deep love God in Christ has shown for me. In a similar way, I'd argue, once we have experienced the Holy Spirit with us, should not our hearts be only as calm as our least calm hearts of sisters and brothers in the faith? God grants comfort to our hearts so that our hearts might turn outward toward others with the same love God has shown us in Jesus Christ. My final scene with my father occurred up in Davidson at the Pines. His heart was failing. And I knew this would probably be my last conversation 
with my dad. He was not in distress. He did not seem to be afraid. Thanks be to God, he was lucid up to his last breath. And how did he spend his last breaths? Blessing us, his children and grandchildren and sons-in-laws and daughters. When he finished, I said, Dad, is there anything that still troubles you? As the time gets near. And his eyes lit up. And he said, yes. I said, well, what is it, Dad? He says, I'm afraid I may miss the main event. <laughs> Man, my heart started racing. I, I was trying to figure out what my father was saying to me with his dying breath was he's afraid he was going to miss Jesus coming, that he'd miss the heaven and earth, the dreams of the new kingdom, that somehow after a lifetime of service to the church, he was going to miss the main event of God's love. I said, what main event are you talking about, Dad? <laughs> and he looked toward my newest son-in-law, Matt, from Texas and he says no this has got nothing to do with the Bible Richard I'm afraid I'm gonna miss the Spurs coming to play the Hornets <laughs> here in Charlotte the last words of my earthly father and yet what a model what a message a heart no longer worrying about himself, but turned out toward others in love. Might the Holy Spirit continue to comfort us and grant us a peace that only God can give so that with this same Spirit's help, God can turn our hearts outward toward the constant hurt in troubles of this world to share God's love with all those in need. To paraphrase our brother John Lewis, those, my friends, are good troubles to have. And may God's grace and God's peace abide with and trouble us all this day and forevermore. Amen. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Creator God, we come to you this morning with a measure of gratitude for the gift of this day, the gift of this space, for the gift of your presence. Thank you for gathering us in this place where we are reminded of your abundant love and never-ending grace. For this community that we cherish, that encourages us, challenges us, 
strengthen, strengthens us and supports us. God, thank you for the honor and privilege to bear witness to one another's lives. We are especially thankful this day to witness the work of Reverend Dr. Dean Grandpa Richard Boyce in his call to Union Presbyterian Seminary for his humble heart, joyful spirit, and care and respect for all the students and faculty. We pray that in this next season he may find rest and be renewed, awakened to see and welcome with anticipation what is next. God, we give thanks for all those who have poured out in faithfulness and love deep into the foundations of our lives that will be long and lasting. And God, as we lift our hearts in gratitude, we also wrestle with the suffering of this world. Jesus tells us not to let our hearts be troubled, to not be afraid. But when war, oppression, hate, and hunger, illness, disease, and loss threaten and ruin the lives of your children, fear seems like the only answer. Yet Jesus also reminds us that peace he gives us and peace he leaves with us. God, where hate threatens, may love roll like an ocean. Where sorrow threatens, may joy spring like a fountain. Where war threatens, may peace flow like a river. May your peace surpass all our understanding and guide and guard our hearts. To bear witness and to love, encourage, challenge, strengthen, and support whoever and wherever you call us, God. To let our heart's purpose meet the suffering of others. Always looking to the heart of our teacher, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, this time is not simply about the offering plate. We call this the invitation to discipleship. At this point in the service, we invite you to take a moment to breathe in the peace and joy of God. We also invite you to consider how your hearts might be troubled for others, and how you will respond to that and grow deeper in your discipleship. Let us give thanks to God for this time of offering and discipleship.
Please join me as we dedicate our lives and gifts to God. O Lord, who has mercy upon all, O Lord, who redeems and restores us from sin, O Lord, who mercifully kindles the fire of the Holy Spirit within our hearts, take away my heart of stone, give me a heart of flesh, a heart to love and adore you, a heart to delight in you, and a heart to follow and enjoy you. For Christ's sake, amen. One of my mentors, Lawrence Stell, founding pastor of Trinity Press here in Charlotte, was known for this benediction. 
Larry would lean forward at the end of the service and say, and now may God send God's spirit to travel with us, to comfort and disturb us until Christ's kingdom fully comes. In that spirit, receive this benediction. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with us all this day forth and forevermore. Amen.